everyone, I'm Lisa. And I'm Nick. And you're listening to It Takes Two, the podcast where two people take two movies with the same plot or premise and watch and discuss them. And in this episode, to celebrate the month of my birth, uh, Lisa was nice enough to um, arrange some uh, movies that I enjoy. So we watched uh, 2012's Lockout and my one of my personal favorites uh 1981's Escape from New York. Mhm. Two so these are two action movies, very stupid action movies, but <laughs> action movies about former government tough guys who are have just been arrested conveniently at a time when a member of the like first family in the United States has been somehow kidnapped within a maximum security prison and held hostage and they have to go in and get them out. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the end of the episode. Uh, yeah. Thank you. We've discussed everything. Um, yeah, I loved uh, um, John Carpenter's work mm. and yeah, Escape from New York um, and LA are absolutely fantastic movies. Um, and it's the legacy of the uh, Kurt Russell's character extends further out because um, as I found out while we were watching Lockout, Lockout, Lockout. Yeah. I, see, it's COVID is screwed up my brain. Everything, any any starting with lock is always down afterwards. Um, uh, that the original idea. Was not so original, and therefore um, he had to pay a uh, Luke Luke Bas- what's his Basan? Basan. Basan had to pay a massive fine because um, it was like it wasn't original, a fine. Original idea, do not steal. This is this yeah. This marks the first time we've covered an episode where there's plagiarism. Yeah, where one <laughs> of the movie, the director of one of the movies sued the director or producer of one of the other movies um, for plagiarism and won the lawsuit. So, yeah. um. <laughs> So it's just played. This is just straight up plagiarism, but it's Escape from New York in space. So yeah. you know, an uh, original idea. I just love that he literally wrote the words "an original idea" like multiple the times. times in the credits, yeah. It's just like okay, Luke, you're clearly yeah. stealing. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's interesting because on top of that, you also have uh, Hideo Kojima who used Snake Plissken as his idea for Solid Snake for the Metal Gear Solid yeah, series. Yeah, he's very open about that, though, yeah. that he was inspired by it and loved it forever. It's yeah. Luke Besson going, original idea, guys, this yeah. is original, no one's ever done this before, and it's like you're ripping off, like, multiple things straight from this movie. Yeah, it's very sonatru. Yeah. 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 Um, so let's dump, uh, jump in, dump in. Um... So the main thing that I find very interesting about these two movies is you get, obviously one of them is set in the past, for us now. For us, yeah. They're, both, they're both set, set in, in the distant the future. future. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> the distant future of 1997. Yeah. In, in Escape from uh, New York. And it's interesting because you see in both these movies there is a sort of borderline accelerated concept that a lot of people are sort of trying to let people know there's a really bad idea, which is um, the military-industrial complex. And it shows in lockdown a lot more than it does in... Lockout. Um, lockout. I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> uh, lockout more than it does in Escape from New York, but in Escape from New York also has um, some alternate history sort of concepts in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this prison and lockout is um, run by Americans, yet is funded by the basically the world governments. So every world government can send prisoners to this facility. Um, the president's daughter is there investigating the claims that it is actually the prisoners are being treated as guinea pigs for deep space exploration. Yeah. Um, because obviously there's no, no law in space other than the laws that were written, I think, at the beginning of the space race. Um, and it's a very interesting... Like, the movie itself is arguably terrible, 
in a great way. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting because it's like even like the the space shuttle system still is running, mm. which is very different from what we're doing currently because it is not very cost effective anymore. Um, they have you know uh, prototype weapons paid by Lockheed, like mentioned in it. Um, the fact that yeah, the like I said, the um, it's it's run by America, even even though everybody pays for it, mm-hmm. which is very much a mirror of the current space um, exploration that we're currently happening now. You know, and um, versus in the New York Escape from New York, where you have uh, the Twin Towers still existing. Yeah, and you even have even though it's ninety seven, but yeah, still um, a movie where the it opens with. Air Force One being hijacked by terrorists and they crash it into Manhattan. And yeah. I was like, uh, yeah. uh, someone give someone some ideas here. And, uh... Forget Kermit the Frog. Maybe that's what... Maybe Kermit the Frog caused... Oh, my God. Escape from New York to be made. <laughs> Kermit well, the Frog no. inspired John Carpenter to make Escape from New York and then the, the people who... Yeah, and... They saw that happening and went, oh, you know, we can crash a plane into Manhattan. So, as I mentioned previously, um, this is a little bit of context for people who don't know as much about the history of the uh, late 80s as I do, who was uh, the child of the late 80s. Um, Chernobyl, which was the, the very famous nuclear disaster that happened in Ukraine, uh, which was at that time part of the Soviet Union, um, was one of the major catalysts for the collapse of the Soviet Union mm. um, because it made them look weak in the world sort of view. Um, they obviously needed help from outside. Uh, you know, it was, it was you know, coming to the end of sort of Soviet cost-cutting. And um, if that hadn't have happened, there's a, there's a debate that the Soviet Union wouldn't have collapsed when it did. And in 97, in Escape from New York, the Soviet Union is still a thing, which is not because I think... They're very much still fighting the Cold War. Yeah, they're still fighting the Cold War. Um, Because I can't remember, was it 92? What? When did the Cold War, uh, the, the Iron Curtain come down? Um... I don't know. And uh, was it around the same time as Berlin Wall? Because that was eighty nine, I think, or nineteen ninety. Um, just gonna Google it here. Ba, 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 ba. You keep talking while I while I find this. Before I don't know uh, what you want to talk about, just, but I can't. I don't want to distract from this history lesson people are getting about the Cold War and the fall of the Soviet Union, which is all very relevant to these yeah. movies. Um, you know, so like you get this, uh, you get this sort of alternate history, um, sort of still playing out. So, so 91, I was close. It was 91, um, was was the actual collapse collapse. So you get this. I brought it down with my foot. (laughs) I'm pretty sure, uh, uh. Nuclear uh, reactor number four exploding, did it? But okay, if you say so. It was me. <laughs> it was you. You like to take credit for Chernobyl with your birth, so. I don't take. Why am I <laughs> taking credit for like a horrible disaster that like put like. Every time you try to tell the story of your life, you start off by talking about Chernobyl, even though it's unrelated to your life. It's not unrelated, because it sh- it shows, these bloody 19-year-old people that I've interacted with on a on 19 to 17-year-old people I've interacted with during work. Just like a concept of the world they don't understand. I worked with someone who was born after 9-11. Yeah, that's frightening. That's terrifying to me. I'm old. I'm old. We're all getting old, folks. It reminds me that there's... Have you seen that meme and it's someone's Tinder profile or something and it says he's 23 but the photo is him with the Twin Towers behind him? Yeah. And someone was like, what are those buildings got to do with anything? Just like uh, everything. Like, oh no. Anyway. Anyway, back to the movies. Um... (laughs) Absolutely fantastic soundtrack out of uh, Escape from New York. Um, no, you don't. You don't agree. It's just the the same bit of music over and over and over again. It's fantastic. And it's and just so like iconic. Boom, boom. 
Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's not iconic. It's the exact same soundtrack as The Thing. Yeah, which is all part of like... It's not iconic. If it was iconic, you'd hear that music and go, oh my god, that's Escape from New York. If I just heard someone go, do do I'd Sorry. be like, oh, what's this, Law and Order? Sorry, like... if I heard that music, I know exactly what it's from. Don't give me the sassy You bass. just agreed with me that the same music is used in The Thing. Yeah, because so it's you all don't... about... So you wouldn't know which one it's from. It's not the exact same song, the but I, exact I, if, same. You, if, if we were sitting there and you were playing, what was that game we used to play, which was just like a couple of seconds on your phone? Hurdle? Yeah, I would know exactly. The, the audio version of, of Wordle? Yeah, I would know exactly that it was um, John Carpenter music. Yeah, but we ha- would you know what it was, which movie it was from? From five seconds of John Carpenter music, would you be able to tell which John Carpenter film? Probably. Well, I mean, you would if it was like Halloween. Yeah. But like. His music style is iconic. Sure. And this is a hill I will die on. Okay. Um, what was because you've never seen either of these movies. Okay. Uh, one for obvious reasons, because uh, like, who the hell has heard of Lockout? Oh, I mean, I've heard of it because it's been sitting on your DVD shelf since we moved in together. Yeah, fair. And it's like an eye height and, was, and the very, cover is very... Yeah, very prominent yeah. lettering on it. So, like, I look at the DVD shelf and the first thing I see is Lockhead. <laughs> and now I know what it's all about. You know? I've seen it. Um, I was expecting Escape from New York to be better because I hear people talking wow. about it a lot. I thought it was going to be a good film. Well, this is the end of the podcast, folks, because it's also the end of our relationship. Um, it was nice. How often do you end our relationship on the podcast? When else do you throw shade at crap that is, like, part it's of my... It's not even a good movie. I don't get, get it. Out. But it. Get was, out. Get out of the room. Because, you, you know, I was open to it, because I've, I've only seen a handful of John Carpenter things. Um... And we discussed this before because we did like a Twitter thing and one of the things was your favourite John Carpenter movie. And we I think we put up Escape from New York, did we? Because it's your favourite. Yeah. Um, whereas my favourite is The Thing. And I would say after watching Escape from New York, my favourite is still The Thing. <laughs> I, it, was just not, it wasn't very good. Wow. I don't... Well, what do you love about it? Everything. <laughs> from the music... Um, to the dialogue, to the crazy overacting of some of the extra, like the, the no-name cast yeah. members. Well, it just felt like a... The random assortment of, like, very post-apocalyptic versus industrial, um, military-industrial complex, like the, mm-hmm. the, the showing of one side living with excess and the other side living with just basic survival needs. Mm-hmm. And the the concept that you could just be in a such a horrifically fascist state that when you commit crimes that the state deems so bad that you don't get a sentence, you just get exiled. Mm. And I know, unfortunately, in this day and age... There are countries out there in the world that still punish people like this. Um, and, you know, without going into too much detail, you know, you know, Australia does it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, I thought you were going to talk about, like, you know, far off countries, and I was going to be like, Australia. Yeah, Australia. Australia. You know, you get this, this um, what they're doing in China is really bad. Obviously, like, North Korea is literally insane punishing generations of your families for crimes mm. like just absolutely bananas um for for people like us um you you being obviously there was a big thing for your country for ages of and you know when you had Ireland controlled by mm-hmm. the 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 English yeah, and, 800 years of oppression yeah and obviously you know, there was there was times it was very similar where you know Australia was Australia at one point in time was New York. Yeah, yeah, for for Irish people being yeah, sent. Yeah, you know. You were just like, oh, you committed a crime. So Go to Australia. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah, that's why there's like conspiracy theories that Australia doesn't exist. It was just like code for 
I was gonna say sending them to the shadow realm. Do you know what I mean? Like the way the right, way that was. <laughs> but that was that was an American code thing because that like in like the Japanese cartoon, they're just straight up killed. Yeah. And in America, they're like, no, we can't tell children that we killed people. No, they were sent sent to the shadow realm. Yeah. So like Australia was there's conspiracy theories that that's what Australia is. And they're like, oh, they're just they're, they're not dead. They're just gone to Australia. They're just over in Australia living and working there. Australia's a real place. You can never visit there. It's too far away. Yeah, and that's where you get Mad Max because that's literally what Australia was like. (laughs) Bands of dudes in face masks and leather driving sports cars around. That's definitely what they sent the (laughs) Irish criminals to. Um, Yeah, you just get this really... and and it's... shows up more which you'll learn very shortly um in escape from la um but this yeah the it's, spoiler it's, okay as in like you spoiled what our next episode oh yeah be. sorry <laughs> um and you get this this yeah this this insane for america like for for that era of the americas and their super freedom like trying to be as least fascist as possible because they were basically fighting fascists and it's like anybody who believed in you know you know a shared economy and this that and the other was deemed a communist yeah and then you see it and it's like the ultimate fascist state that sort of america is now kind of evolved into in a, in a way because you have you know the just the history of america and the since since I'd say Bill got out of, mm. got out of office. Well, they um, John Carpenter wrote Escape from New York in nineteen seventy four. Yeah. In response to the Watergate scandal. Yeah, which and, is the real reason for nine eleven. Right. Um, it's Nixon's fault. Yeah, I'm Kermit the Frog, and um. Yeah, so they didn't know studio wanted to pick it up at the time because uh, it was too violent. And then he made the Halloween, or he made the first Halloween movie, I think, and then they were like, oh, people actually want to see this shit, okay. That's, yeah. that's fun but it's, carpenter it's, stuff. It's the same with, like, uh, Deadpool. What, what is Because that was stuck in development hell for ages mm. because no one wanted to make a R-rated superhero movie because no one would watch it. Yeah. And okay. then it was super successful, and then Logan came out, which is, in my opinion, better than Deadpool. Yeah, and it is, And it's one of the most iconic movies of that entire genre let alone yeah um we talked about a little bit with avatar as well that like no one would uh, or our avatar episode it was both because both dances with wolves and avatar were movies that were in production hell for ages because studios wouldn't fund them yeah well avatar makes sense because i think at a certain point of time and like the terrible and jarring cgi that isn't locked at lockout yeah oh yeah it's pretty um, bad but that that was made after Avatar. That's yeah. twenty twelve. Yeah, there was no way you would have been able to make Avatar. Yeah, he wanted. He was like wanting to make it in the nineties, and there was nothing. Cause oh, and it was only then when Final Fantasy Spirits Within. Okay. Have you have you no, not I, seen that? No, oh I my seen god! All right, pause the episode. We're gonna go watch another no. movie. Um, yeah, but like it was. It was only when he saw, you know the effect in Return of the King, I think it was it was like Gollum that he went, Oh, we yeah. have the technology now. Yeah. Let's do this. We can make it bluer. Yeah. And stronger and more Pandora. <laughs> Let's get the people who did that to and do it's this. gonna cost six billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, but in in the instant the case of uh Escape from New York it was they just thought that people wouldn't want to see it because it was too violent. And then when they wanted to see Halloween, studios are like, oh, actually, maybe they do want to see this weird, violent United States dystopia. Yeah. I just don't understand why they keep referring to it as a maximum security prison when it's literally just, they put mines around the outside of it and then said, just set a whole lot of criminals loose in there on, on each other. That's not maximum security and it's not a prison. What is it then? It's just some weird... They've just created some extra society that's not... It's a zero security area because they've put so no actual surveillance or security in there. So it's Australia to <laughs> electric... <laughs> Boogaloo. No. Uh, 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 
Australia to electric didgeridoo. Great. Wonderful. Is that the name of our episode? No. Ridiculous. Um, so yeah, you, you you thought it was over the top and silly. And no, I just you... thought it was, um, it just felt like a cheesy B-movie. Wow. It's just not very good. What's not good about it? The, um, the writing, the acting, the Wrong. effects, the well, it was costume, the, the... Costumes are great. The music. The music's the... fantastic, get out of here. <laughs> Production design. There's bits where he like goes through an elevator that's clearly a bit of cardboard that someone's pulling open and closing. Yeah. Like, why not just use an actual elevator? Probably cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> but like, You're talking about the sets that are on like the top of the tower, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's terrible. It's worse than um, the Peter Cushing Doctor Who and the Dalek film. That's that's what their doors look like. Yeah. But they they've somehow done it better in like a you know a shitty Doctor Who movie. Um. I'd be careful who you talk about shitty and Doctor Who in the same sentence, but that's okay. Oh, no, no. Um, I know for a fact that the person that you're thinking of hates those movies. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy them more than that person does. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It just, I was, ex- I don't know. I think I got my hopes up. I think I just was expecting it to be a good movie. <laughs> and <laughs> it was still enjoyable. Yeah, see, like, for, for how you feel, mm-hmm. I find Lockout enjoyable because it's so terrible yeah well with lockout i felt like again you know the writing the effects the effects are terrible most most things were terrible yeah um but the whole thing was carried almost exclusively by guy pierce with a little bit of legwork by maggie grace um i felt like he sold it (laughs) <laughs> I like I was I like I literally was watching it going I never realized Guy Pierce is this good of an actor he is like carrying <laughs> this film like I feel like you could put just about anyone else in that role and the movie just collapses you know he did a really good job and and I was almost expecting the same to be said of Escape from New York except I don't think um that Kurt Russell was as good in that as he is in the thing true. I find Snake Plissken as a character is interesting because you don't get any... Like, Guy Pearce, uh, his character Snow, gets a little bit more history in the lead-up to the movie, which is... Uh, lead, lead up to him getting sent to prison, sorry. Yeah. Um, they, was, they filmed scenes like that for Escape from New York. Yeah. Like a, a prequel scene, or a um, preamp... What, what is it? Pre- Prologue? Is, Prologue, Yeah. yeah. And then they put it. Yeah. Because people, because audiences found it too long and confusing. Yeah, and it's, the pacing I think is better the way they've got done. Yeah. It's a perfect movie. Um, okay. <laughs> the yeah, so the the prologue for before Guy Snow gets sent to the prison is that he's working for Secret Service. Yeah, he's CIA. CIA and like someone's been set up to be selling secrets to the wrong side and then they get assassinated and then he gets arrested for it but he's also like delivered the suitcase with the evidence to his mate who also ends up in the prison and that's why he wants to break in there regardless of Maggie Grace being in there and versus you know you see get this all the setup about him being you know on this this that and the other where the information you get about Snake throughout the movie is that he was special forces and then he basically went rogue because he just stopped believing in the American dream because it became a fascist state yeah. and he, everybody he meets is like, Oh, I thought you were dead. So he's like this urban legend within, every, within the, every person who says, I thought you were dead yeah. to him dies before the end of the movie. Yeah. Every single person who says that line, like they get so many people to say it. And what's terrible is I had read that in the IMDb trivia before we watched oh, the no, movie. So, so, every, so every time someone said it, I was like, they've been cursed. <laughs> <laughs> so like literally every time someone said, I heard you were dead. I was like, God 
damn it, all you had to do was not say those words and you'd survive. Um, Did you enjoy Cabby? Did you enjoy Ernest Borgnine? Yeah, yeah, he was fun. We brought up Ernest Borgnine in the uh, All Quiet on the Western Front hmm. episode because he was in the made to TV, made for TV, made, made to TV. Um, <laughs> straight to DVD. Yeah. <laughs> straight to TV remake of um, the original All Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah. Um, which I think's the more closely related to the book. I can't remember. I can't remember what we said in the podcast uh, episode. Um, but yeah, I love Ernest Borgnine. Fair enough. It's, fair just, enough. Fu- it's just funny. Just like his character in general is hilarious because mm. he's just like a taxi driver who never left New York, even though they built a prison <laughs> around it. It's like I've been driving this cab for thirty years. It's like I did enjoy what? that, like these like prisoners or whatever, like were just putting on. They were just doing musical theater. Yeah, they were doing just musical just for the fun of it. Well, you don't know what crimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That people could have committed. Like, there's a point in time looking at the way things are going now mm-hmm. uh, in some of the southern states of the United States with their bizarre law changes. Yeah. Some of those people could have just been in there because they did do that. Right. You know? And by that you mean we're publicly transgender or cross-dressing. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, fair enough. And those people... Might enjoy music, <laughs> yeah. not to stereotype, yeah. but people who are arrested for being drag queens might also enjoy being in musical theater. And Cabby obviously loves it because you know he made a big deal about coming downtown to to go see the show and yeah, just happens to see Snake Plissken Snake just Plissken. wandering around. you were dead. Wandering around. My favorite. There's some, my favorite. Some of my favorite characters in that movie are. Um, is the the Joker ripoff dude? I can't remember the ca- the the actual thing's name. I'm gonna try and find it. Um, Cabby, I think Brain is hilarious because like, just going to prison and just being the smartest person there, and they're like, oh, your name's Brain now. It's like what? But he's not even smart. Smart, yeah, he's exactly. So stupid. I like, no offense to Harry Dean Stanton, but like he is he's not well acted. Yeah. He's just like a cardboard character who has no anything good. He just keeps he keeps flip flopping um on, you know, whose side he's on, but not even like intentionally. He's just like as someone talks to him and he's like, Oh yeah, I guess I'm on your side. Oh, I guess I'm on his side. Oh and then he's like keeps he's his whole purpose is so that he can direct them through the minefield and he blows them up twice. Yeah. Why? But he, like, but he gets gasoline for the Duke's car that is just like a no, Cadillac with chandeliers attached to so it. He's so stupid. <laughs> he's a bad character. He's badly acted. He didn't contribute anything. And I didn't care about him. Like, I feel like we're supposed to care when the character, um, Maggie, like, is like, no, I'm going to stay and, like, make my stand because he was my partner and he's dead now and I'm going to shoot the Duke for him. And then she also dies instantly like it's like do, was i supposed to actually give a shit about either of these people what about the girl from chock full of nuts <laughs> i'd feel bad for the girl from chock full of nuts <laughs> she seemed nice and then she just randomly got dragged through the floor by evil crazy people yeah i love the mole people there's like there's this concept that you know new york city is a massive place with far too many people living in it and that's sort of like over emphasized like comic book mm-hmm. villain like twiddling mustache tying people to yeah. train tracks kind of like well, insanity of new york what we should have been comparing escape from new york to is just like the whole sequence is it in batman begins when they like re- sh- when they like um there's the, there's oh, the you, train you're going around the like, gas yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the scarecrow, the scarecrow like, yeah. gas it and it, the like, sets, sets and free everyone yeah, and, yeah. Everyone just goes nuts. And yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Because that's what it is. That that was a rip-off of Escape from New York. <laughs> not not Rises, where they wall off an entire city and it's left for, like, a militarized... Chris Nolan. What's he been doing? He's <laughs> been watching good movies. That's what he's been doing. Um... But yeah, like the uh, it's it's um, 
I, I can't pronounce his name because I'm going to screw it up. Uh, Romero? Romero is, is the, 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 you have 30 seconds to leave or he dies. And the weird hair and the outfits and the walk, like, it's all just... Oh, they just turn everyone back into their helicopters? Yeah. But so the, the, you know, the character that stands out, which is hilarious to me, rewatching it, is the, um, the guy who's the, he's got the tracker watch on. So the prison's oh, yeah, got the yeah, tracker yeah. watch. And it's just some like, random homeless dude that they like robbed the president when he crashed landed on his but escape pod. How did they pod. not notice? Because the whole thing about that is that it's monitoring his vital signs. How did they not notice when it was taken off him? I don't know. His vitals would have wouldn't, stopped. Oh, also, and then it's restarted. That, yeah, I don't know. It's just stupid. A, it would have probably counted it down as a weird glitch. They're using eighties technology in the nineties. <sighs> it's very stupid. Um, but also they use that in in lockout as well because yeah. she's got like medical trackers inside her or something they're just like oh yeah she's she's hooked up with this so we can see her yeah she's losing blood and then just like oh my god she's suffocating she's not got enough oxygen you've got to find her in 20 seconds she'll be dead like see it's interesting to me um the the story the the, the background story in lockout mm-hmm. i think is far more interesting than what actually happens on screen do you right. know what I'm referring to? The everything with the briefcase and stuff. So or? you get no. So you get the briefcase stuff, which is like his. his oh, m- her background, where it's yeah, the, where it's the fact that she's up there to investigate the, the fact that the that they're putting these guys in stasis, but it's causing dementia and yeah. and brain damage and. And it's all this know. this you know conspiracy that it's for deep space exploration yeah. purposes. There's also, like. The one of the bodyguards, um, again, the why I remembered this is when you were talking about um, Maggie Grace's character suffocating. Um, Hawk is like one of the Secret Service members, and they're told before they're interviewing prisoners that he has to give up their firearms because firearms aren't allowed in the secure area, right? And he takes out his pistol from his ankle holster and then puts it back in, pretending like he was just adjusting his shoe mm-hmm. and doesn't hand it in. And that's the reason the entire thing happens. Yeah. And you're like, and he gets too close to him and he's like giving him the, the prisoner shit because he's, you know, a horny dude and it's probably the first woman he's seen in years and blah, blah, blah. But even though they're in stasis, but then as in, you know, who knows, because he's talking about like what actually shut down and if their brains are still active and so on and so forth. You know, asking if he had dreams, and it's like, I'll dream of you, and him getting very defensive about it. Yet, you know, if the Secret Service were actually doing that, there's no friggin' way that they'd be in the same room as him. They would have just, like, yeah. shoved... It would have been like... Because she was on the other side of the yeah. glass. So, so why, why was he protecting... And it, it to me, it sense. seems like they had this idea that it was a setup from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think they either changed the storyline through, you know, with writing or they just, you know, sort of left the, the side plot sort of alone. But it's like the escaping part takes more precedence in the movie, I find, than the weird undertone side plot of, like, what's happening. Yeah. Because that only comes up again then when they find... Uh, Mace, who's the guy that yeah, uh, I was gonna say Snake, that Snow wants to 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 get, and he is exhibiting signs of dementia because yeah. he's been in stasis for like twenty four hours. Like he hasn't even been yeah, there very long. Yeah. They're dealing with prisoners who've been in there for who knows how long, and they're all fine. Yeah, because um, Snow gets in for thirty years. Right. So like the people that they're who have been freed already. Yeah. That they're like fighting with the whole time. Have obviously been there for years. Yeah. And this guy's literally just gone up there and he's got full on dementia. Yeah. And those guys have zero problems. Well. I mean, besides being like maladjusted people, which they probably were before they went in. So the concept that I goes in my brain uh, in in regards to what you just said reminds me of the um, opening monologue um, by Ruddock in Pitch Black. Mm hmm. And he says, the only, uh, they say your brain um, shuts down in cryosleep except for the primitive side. No wonder I'm still awake. Mm. 
Because he's only primitive. Yeah, because yeah. he's a monster. Um, maybe that's why, that only people that are like actually maladjusted are the only ones that will survive going into this procedure. That might make sense, yeah, because he, he was in there like almost under a case of mistaken identity. Yeah. Because he, a police officer called him and he turned around, but he or someone dropped a gun and the gun discharged and yeah. killed the police officers, then they assumed that he shot the police officers. Which is, uh, I'm not going to go into a rant about firearms, but something that can happen based on f- five firing pin types, but I won't get into that because yeah. you'll just stare at me for ages and no <laughs> one will care. Um, no one listening will care. Um, and if you're a person who knows about firearms already, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Anyway, so I don't have to explain it to you. So it was a weird, just a weird like coincidence moment that ends up with him yeah. arrested. And I mean, that's almost what happens with Snow as well, except that it was clearly set up. And it's really strange, because they only show us, like, what actually happened through, like, a montage at the end, which is, like, flashbacks. Yeah. Except it's, um, it's Maggie from... Grace's character, Emily, is that her name? Yeah. Uh, having that... Yeah, she has a flashback of stuff that she don't, don't couldn't know what happened. Yeah, and so there's, like, this whole, there's this whole montage where she's having flashbacks to, like, the stuff that happened on the ship, because she is remembering everything that... May said so she can find the briefcase that he hid, but then she also has flashbacks to what happened to Snow before yeah. he got arrested, which makes no sense. And and the whole thing is that like, oh, it's okay. They only thought they saw him shoot the guy because someone had arranged a mirror in a way that made it look like him. Yeah, which is that's nonsense. Also, the fact that it would also only work if the guy was sitting on where he was watching from, so yeah. therefore they knew they were being surveilled. Like, and exactly where they're being surveilled from. Yeah, a lot of it is sort of like the when you start thinking about it, the stri- the threads literally fall yeah. apart instantly. You tug on one thing, and the whole listen, whole movie you know, pieces. Luc Besson made, made some good movies. Made some good movies in the eighties and nineties, and then I don't know. I mean, have you seen Lucy? Have yeah. You seen Lucy? Yes, I watched Lucy. I'm gonna say. If anyone listening to this has not seen Lucy, do yourselves a favor and don't ever watch it. It's terrible. It's interesting that no. you bring it up. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say the movie's interesting. <laughs> the gripe I have with the Ghost in the Shell movie right. is the opposite gripe I have with Lucy. Okay. So Scarlett Johansson's acting in Lucy mm-hmm. is better than the movie deserves. Right. But absolutely terrible in Ghost in the, Shell. In Ghost in the Shell. And it, for me, even though they just basically took a bunch of storylines from the movie and um, the uh, uh, standalone complex TV show, mm-hmm. uh, anime that came out, um, basically they stole a bunch of lines and they slapped it into a movie. Um... It annoyed me because she was acting terribly, and I don't know if that was the direction that she was given, but it's just, yeah, it's interesting to me that you brought up Lucy, and I was just like, there's such a polar opposite of, like... Lucy is bizarre. Yeah, she turns she's into like, a supercomputer. Yeah, she she does, she kneel brains. Yeah, she kneel brains. She kneel brains. She just, like, hacks into computers with her brain or something. It's <laughs> nonsense. Don't watch it. Bad movie. But Lockout has some of the same problems where it's like some weird, you know, he's thinking of it like it's this like new high concept sci-fi movie and it's absolutely not. It's not. And he's made movies like this before, like um, that weren't sci-fi, like District 13. Have you seen that? Is that the one with Bruce Willis? No. It's it's just a bunch of... Oh, it's 13 blocks. Sorry, yeah. It's just a bunch of French guys doing parkour. It's okay. literally just a bunch of French guys doing parkour. Is there a plot? I don't remember. You don't remember? I watched two... There's a sequel on. I watched both of them. Oh, okay. The second one definitely doesn't have a plot. <laughs> the first one, I think it is like this... You know, he's like on the run and, you know, trying to get away from... It. But he's it's just some, like, small French guy doing a whole lot of parkour. Like, through these just, like, apartment buildings. Yeah. Shitty apartment buildings. To, to go back to some other nuclear history in relation to New Zealand, you get um, countries like uh, Japan who invent really amazing martial arts. You get the 
South American martial arts that were created to emulate dance because martial arts were banned. You get China with Kung Fu, and then you get the martial arts of France, which is just running away. Yeah, yeah. They invented parkour, and it is literally the martial art of running you away. You should watch, because you like action movies, you should, you should watch um, District 30, or was it, was it in French, Van Lou Tres? You should watch it. It's, I enjoyed it at the time, but it is just, it's, you are just watching like two hours of a guy doing parkour. Basically. I would rather watch Hardcore Harry. There's a really cool sequence where like he's in a bathroom or something, and he like grabs onto a pipe, I think, and, and it's one of those like little small windows. He just like, in one movement just parkours his legs out through it and like kind of sails and it's just it's actually done it's not special effects um but irrelevant anyway what i meant is by that is that <laughs> luke Besson has already made um, at least one movie where he does like whatever he's trying to do here somewhat well but he's tried to pair it with this weird sci-fi thing and like just like gone off the rails with nonsense and the whole thing, like, it's it's like he just wanted to make action movie in space and then was like, we'll just tie together some, you know, some kind of story happens to make them end up there. Original story, don't steal. <laughs> Original story. Original story by Luc Besson. Yeah. Definitely has never, he's never watched another movie. He's not inspired by anything. This is 100% original. Don't watch John Carpenter movies because then you'll know it's not. <laughs> Don't look up the lawsuit. He appealed it, by the way. Yeah, that's when it cost him more money. Yeah, it's so funny. So he so it originally cost him, I think, eighty thousand euro. So it was like fifty thousand to the studio, ten thousand, or twenty thousand directly to John Carpenter, ten thousand to producer or something, and then uh, he appealed that ended up having to spend four hundred fifty thousand euro. Yeah. Um. So that's fun. Uh. But yeah, he he plagiarized it. He just straight up ripped a whole load of sequences and things from the movie. Like the, you know, the the kind of general backstory of, you know, he used to be a CIA agent versus he used to be special forces and then he somehow wound up arrested and then they are like, oh, we want to send you in and then you'll be pardoned or whatever. And, you know, the, uh, the person who's, in fairness, one step removed from the president, he doesn't just send the president up this time. Um, but she's got the, you know, the medical thing so that he can, he can track her and then blah, blah, blah. That's just, this is just, this is, I mean, the courts agreed. (laughs) I don't know. I do like some Luc Besson movies. I, I, it's a real case of separating the art from the artist for me though at this point, because he's a creepo in real life. Yeah. It's, there's more and more creeps out there. Yeah, but like, I mean, one of my favorite movies, and I haven't watched it in a long time, because I feel uncomfortable, especially with the director's cut now, is um, Leon. Yeah, yeah. And knowing that, you know, because I never read it as like, I understand, obviously, it's explicitly put in the movie that um, Matilda has romantic feelings for Leon. Yeah. But I always interpret that as like, well, she's a teenager with a crush. Yeah. And it's never, he's never reciprocating it. Yeah. Except it kind of is a little bit in the director's cut, so don't watch that. But knowing that Luc Besson, like, groomed his first wife from when she was 13 and he was in his 30s, and then when she turned 21, he split up with her to date a 20 year old. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, okay. He had, Do you know what's <laughs> even weirder uh, bringing up Natalie Portman? Okay. So, there's another artist that I used to like a lot. And this is Moby. This is the Moby thing. The Moby For those thing? who don't know, Moby is an electronic house artist who got some really massive hits um, for in the, in the early 2000s. And uh, they were in, like, one of them was, like, the beginning of a television show, soundtracks to movies, all of this stuff. And he was really, like, it was really, it was a breath of fresh air for me, um, small town New Zealander, listening to this music genre that I hadn't heard much of, and, you know, it was very catchy and enjoyable. The Me Too movement happens, and Moby outs himself, and says, 
I was grooming and dating Natalie Portman when she was not 18 years old. And everyone's like, okay. And Natalie Portman's like, what the fuck? That never happened. And then Moby was never heard from again. <laughs> and it was just like this, what? <laughs> like, what was his goal? Like, is he one of those people who just had, like, I, I have these moments where, in our relationship where we have entire conversations with each other, yet no words ever spoken, and we're not having, like, some sort of weird mind meld. It's just because of the way that my brain works and the way we communicate. It's just like, I'll have an entire you know, conversation with you. And then I won't know what's happening. Yeah, you won't know what's happening. Did Moby do that, but with a relationship with Natalie Portman? <laughs> he made up a relationship did with a teenager. Like, was, did, was he having... Because you've seen... You've seen uh, From Dust Till Dawn, right? No. Oh, God. So, Quentin Tarantino's character... Mm-hmm. Um, this is pre-sucking um, uh, Selma Hayek's feet. Um, with uh, one of your... the One of the Yellow Jackets, old... Um, uh, Julia Lewis, because she plays the young girl in that, and there are moments where he has flashes into like you see from the camera's perspective his world that he visits, where basically all these women are saying grotty shit to him, but obviously it's not real. Yeah. Did Moby do that? I don't like, know. Was it like an attention thing? But did he not realize that she would? Yeah. Like, she's more famous than he is and can say, hey, that's not, not true. Real. Yeah. I don't understand. I just don't. It's very strange. I feel bad for Natalie Portman. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's come out as grooming her when she didn't even, like, know them. She's yeah. just like, what? Did we even meet? Like, <laughs> what is happening? Um, it's weird when people say stuff yeah. that's not real. She is, and by the, the way. And the other person can just be like, that never happened. Yeah. It's and so, you just look like an idiot. It's so strange. And maybe it's maybe he's got like um BPD or something where he's like just invented this whole scenario and sees it as totally different. I've just been sorry, I've, for context I've been rewatching Crazy Ex Girlfriend, <laughs> which is like entirely about that. Yeah, <laughs> but, from um, what I've seen <laughs> of that show when I've walked into the lounge while you've been watching it, it's just been like, yeah. I instantly it's a really, it. really good show. Yeah. Um, but very much about how certain conditions, including well, the one she's diagnosed with as BPD, uh, and I, like people, like psychiatrists and like psychologists and stuff have analyzed the show and said this is doing it really well. Yeah. But like that, she has this almost like parasocial relationships with people where she like perceives their relationship as like way more than what it actually is yeah um which which can happen and maybe it's some, maybe it's a scenario like that where like they had like some interactions but he like perceived it as like like in his own head it was way more than it actually was yeah either way natalie portman seems like a very well-rounded person for someone who was a former child actor yeah it's good for her you know <laughs> But it's a weird, that's such a weird situation. So bizarre. <laughs> if, anyone, if anyone was going to groom her, it would have been... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's, it's the same with, um... Uh, friggin... Uh, the whole deal with, uh... Fifth Element. Yeah. Yeah. That's also another, like... What really? Which 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 deal? The fact that his wife was playing the blue alien when yeah. she was twenty one, and yeah. he broke up with her for Mila Jovovich who yeah. was twenty. Yeah, is that the the scenario you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mhm, mhm. Just men out there being creeps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a creepy guy. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you know, two of his his most successful English language films were. About a fourteen-year-old girl falling in love with an adult assassin, and about a born sexy yesterday lady who knows nothing about anything but falls in love with Bruce Willis. Yeah. Mm, it's a little suspicious. Little suspicious. I do love both those movies though, so it's it's difficult. Well, it's like my the whole thing with um the the pianist. Yeah. And it's like, why are you? 
Adrian Brody, shut up, bro. Like, <laughs> please, Adrian Brody. Yeah. Please, don't support Roman Polanski. Yeah. Polanski's a creep too. And it's, again, like, at what point do you have to... Well, the Weinstein Company made a lot of good movies, but that dude is a piece of shit and deserves to burn in hell for all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very difficult. And I think, I mean, with Lockout... It's... How much good um, um, Bill Cosby did for the black community... Mm. And yet he was out there. Absolute creep. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of them out there. I mean, like, I I have it with Moon as well. Yeah. Moon is one of my favorite films, and obviously Kevin Spacey is one of the only well, two actors in that movie. And I'm not gonna get into. Oh no, yeah, we've Spacey gotten into thing. the Kevin Spacey thing before. We're, yeah. We'll 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 leave it. But um, yeah. Anyway, I Case don't dismissed think dismissed on Kevin Spacey. Lockout wasn't directed by Luc Besson, and he only like co-wrote it. Based on his original idea. Yeah, his original idea. His ori- original idea. Um, so I, I feel like we can remove him a little bit from, from Lockout. But uh, yeah, I thought it was an enjoyable, shitty movie. There's, like you said earlier, um, talking about Guy Pearce holding the movie together, mm. there are some absolutely bangers of lines by him. Yeah. Some of them are real creepy in this day and age. Like when yeah. they fall through the vents and she lands like facing his crotch. She's like, oh, you don't have to. You know, simple thanks. Is... Disgusting. Yeah, that's gross. I mean, original idea by Luke Besson. Yeah. But, um... My favourite is like when he gives her the map and is like, hey, I gotta go. You go find the escape pod. Yeah. Here's an apple and a gun. Don't talk to strangers. <laughs> like, that line to me is so fantastic. Um... Because it's just, it's just hilarious. Because yeah. it's just like, he's treating her like a child. Yeah, yeah. But in the most bizarre way possible. Yeah. So they they both did spots. a lot of prep, by the way, for yeah. that movie. So they could do as much of their own stunts as possible. Yeah. Which is, which is cool. I like that. Um, I like that Maggie Grace was the intent of doing that. Cause she's not an action person. She has previously worked on movies with Luke Besson, though. Taken and Taken too. Yeah. She plays a girl who's taken. And guess what she plays in Lockout? <laughs> girl who is taken. Um, but at least I feel like she has a lot more to contribute to Lockout because she actually like is intelligent and is like trying to do shit and also really cares because there's a bit where like he puts her on the pod to escape yeah. and then she's like, no, like yeah. there's innocent people here and I need to, you know, if I go, they're going to just blow up the whole ship because yeah. they only care about me. Yeah. Um, so I liked her character. I liked her character more than most of the characters in um, Escape from New York who, because they all exclusively only cared about themselves, including Snake, who only was doing the whole thing because they put, like, bombs in him that were going to explode if he didn't do it in a certain time. Like, he didn't give a shit about anyone, anything. You know, at least the characters in Lockout cared about something other than themselves. Um... Also, the, the the president, the like I do like that Snake was like, you know, the, he checked with the president if he care about it, and then he's like, well, then I'm gonna destroy the whole world and stop you from creating world peace. Yeah. By destroying this tape because you don't care that these random criminals who didn't give a shit about you died while trying to escape. Like, like why would he? Um. Also. But this, <laughs> I I will agree. That. Yeah, Snake's character seems very disenfranchised by the world that he's helped, like, sacrifice his life to protect. Yeah. And it comes to that, you know, this, um, obviously with the sequel and the unmade third movie, um, which possibly could have been what uh, Lockout was very similar to, because the working title was Escape from Earth. Um <laughs> Or it could have been Escape from America, depending on depending on the, um, you know, un unwritten version of the the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's very very odd, but yeah, the the disenfranchised uh, of of Snake is is really the standout point of his character mm. to me anyway. Yeah, but he just really doesn't give a shit about anyone. But no one does. Not a single person that gives a shit about anyone else. Uh, what's her face? Loves okay. brain so much. Yeah, she does love brain, and she does decide to stay and sacrifice herself for yeah. brain. So that's to cool. try and kill Isaac Hayes. Yeah. We haven't spoken about Isaac Hayes at all. Mm. 
which is which is interesting because I think he's the Duke. uh, Number one, the man. Um, (laughs) uh, Interesting guy, because you know about the whole uh, South Park thing, eh? What South Park Because he voiced Chef for years. Oh, right, okay. And then they took the piss out of every other religion. He was perfectly happy with it. And then they attacked Scientology. And then he quit. And so they turned him into a pedophile and had him killed. And then he got brought back as a zombie. So they killed him again. Just to, like, prove their point of, like, you either play the game forever or you don't play at all. South Park is a whole thing. I'm not a fan. Yeah. South Park. I watched South Park a bit when I was younger, but like, at a certain point, you realize that the whole point of South Park is that they're gonna just make fun of everything, and they just make, uh, but not like in a. They're not making any actual social commentary. Uh. They're not. They're not. It has been. In the past, maybe, but they but they've just evolved into making fun of anyone who cares about anything. Yeah. So it's... it's like rather than actually do anything to try and improve the world or help or do anything they're going to just make that out something else to make fun of the latest seasons of south park from the stuff that i've watched is basically let's just copy what's happening on the news and make it topical so people like read it from another point of view that's always what they did yeah because they make they make the episode that week or whatever which is unusual but they yeah the whole point of south park seems to just be at this point like caring about anything is stupid so let's make a dumb joke about it and then it's like well what you're not actually making any commentary because if you're making a social commentary you'd be saying you know here's how we fix things but they just want to shit on literally everyone yeah and it's just stupid what's the point true (sighs) um yeah anyway uh i did like that we got donald pleasant's Again, getting to um, <laughs> to draw on his experience of being an actual prisoner of war in real life. Because it's the second time we've done a movie where he's had to do that. Yeah. They just love casting him as a prisoner of war because he's done it. Also, he's um, inexplicably British as the United States of America president. So, like, apparently he was so self-conscious about it that he came up with an idea of, like, a whole background where the united states you know in this dystopia they've rejoined the british empire so the president no longer need to be a natural born citizen and stuff like that and then john carpenter's like yeah that's interesting but it would distract from the stories let's just never explain or mention <laughs> the fact that you've got a british accent so he no one ever acknowledges that he's just a british american president for no reason which i thought was fun they also um the role of president was pitched to him as the love child of Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> yep. So, that's why, that explains why he doesn't give a shit about anyone. Yeah. Because of course he doesn't. Cause... Take the Falklands back. God. Um, the, um, <laughs> one of the things I thought was really funny to look at the IMDb trivia for Escape from New York was that, um, computers that were able to do 3d wireframe imaging were too expensive for their budget so like all the times you see the uh like on the helicopter and stuff where they've got the the you know the um wireframe graphics of the city what they did was they just built a model of the city and painted those on yeah no. <laughs> and they just filmed it and then after this movie they repainted that model and used it for blade runner to the same just the same model of new york but I just love that they were like, mm, it's too, it's too expensive to have a computer to do graphics in it. Like, <laughs> Let's just put some tape on this model. The acceleration of technology is absolutely bonkers. When you think about the phone you're currently looking at to look at trivia for this yeah. is more powerful than everything that got man to the moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was handwritten code. There's a really famous photo of the lady who the 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 lady which is like standing out. Um, I can't remember her name. Was it Jack Black's mom? Yeah, was it Jack Black's mom? Jack (laughs) Jack Black's mom. Who hand wrote all the code that like? She hand wrote all the code, and then it was like taller than she was. Um, there was a great. I want to find the exact sentence I write about it. Um. Because it was like, you know, she 
ensured the um it was the Apollo 13 mission she worked on. Yeah. And it was like, you know, she went to work and she saved the lives of these astronauts and did all this new calculation because everything has to be recalculated. So it's like this woman who did all this and then she went to the hospital and gave birth to Jack Black. Yeah. I was like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> and now you know the rest of the story. His name Judith Love Cohen. There you go. Um... But yeah, it's just, I can't remember what, it was some meme, but it was just like the sentence where it was like, you know, she, she did all this on this day and then she went to a hospital and, <laughs> and just gave birth, and it was like, I gave birth to Jack Black. And you're just like, at the end of the story, you're like, wait, she what? Yeah. <laughs> that Jack Black? Um, and that little boy grew up to be Jack Black. And now <laughs> you know the rest of the story. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. Um, yeah, I don't remember where, where I read that, but it was just like, it was just a fun sentence. But, uh, yeah, what were you saying about her or about another woman who worked on... Just just technology in general. Oh, yeah. It's gotten so, like, to the point of just ridiculousness. Yeah, but it's so funny watching movies from, like, the 70s and 80s trying yeah. to show what future technology looks like. Because it's terrible. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, is this the future technology he would have in 1987? I mean, it's the same with like. You know, 90s, I suppose, weren't too advanced, but. Like, alien. The Alien franchise with like still having CRT monitors um, and like the way the readouts work. You know, there, there's older science fiction movies that have like still have reel to reel in them. You look at um, the. Like. Star Trek is very on the cusp of like futuristic, futuristic stuff. Like everything in Star Trek is futuristic. Um, where, yeah, the some of the older ones are just the technology is like not caught up whatsoever, mm. and it's just like we're still using things that make no sense because we don't use them now. Even Blade Runner is a little like the original Blade Runner is a little bit like that, where the retro futurism, which is a, like an entire genre now. Thanks to Alien. Mm. I found the sentence about Jack oh, Black. So it's uh, Judith Love Cohen, who helped create the abort guidance system which rescued the Apollo 13 astronauts, went to work on the day she was in labor. She took a printout of the problem she was working on to a hospital. She called her boss and said she finished the problem and then gave birth to Jack Black. Nice. <laughs> That's dedication. Working on this problem to save these astronauts, and then she's like, called her boss, like, Oh, yeah, I solved it. Here's the solution. And then she's like, Oh, sorry, I'm in labor, and just gives birth to Jack Black. Um, hilarious. Any other trivia? Probably. I'm sorry, I got distracted by the Jack Black trivia. Sorry. Um, I think we've talked about a bunch of stuff. The narration at the beginning of Escape from New York is the you know, the computer voice, yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis. Awesome. Uh, uncredited. Um, Kurt Russell has said that Escape from New York is the favorite of all the films he's ever worked on, and Snake Pis- Snake Plissken is his favorite character that he's ever played. Yeah, I'd agree with him. Yeah, I know you would. Um, he also decided to wear the eye patch last second before shooting, and he didn't tell John Carpenter about it. But John Carpenter was like, "Yeah, that looks good," and let him keep it. Um, which is fun. And oh yeah, that's about it. I think so the only trivia I took down. For the other movie was about the uh, the lawsuit. Yeah. I thought it was funny. Uh, budget and box office. So for um, Escape from New York, the budget was six million dollars, which apparently was the biggest budget John Carpenter yeah, had ever gotten to work with. Yeah, that's a lot in the eighties. Um, and box office, they made twenty five million. Um, whereas Lockout, the budget was twenty million dollars, and they made thirty two million. But yeah. only half of that came from the U.S. Yeah, most of it was international audience yeah that's about it to be honest do you have anything else you want to add about the the movies no the film wise I'm good good. I can't wait for the next episode the next episode (laughs) well we've we've spoiled it for people that we are we are going to do Escape from LA but now you guys have two weeks to guess what we're going to compare it to yeah it's just fun um yeah, so thanks very much for listening. You can find us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at it takes two underscore pod or Facebook at it takes two pod. Uh, we're also on Tumblr, 
but I've forgotten our handle and no one's going to go on Tumblr anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> our website is ittakes2.co.nz. We have a Discord server you can join, so you can uh, find the link to that in the description or um, on our website or on our Twitter bio. And we have a YouTube channel also if you want to go there. At the moment, we're still uploading our backlog of episodes, so we haven't caught up to today. Um, but we do put out some YouTube shorts every now and then. Yeah, it's for a little extra content. Yeah, it's lovely. Thank you all for listening, and I hope to catch you next time. Goodbye.